Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Our Not-So-Perfect Family, Part 1, The Long Game, recorded Sunday, September 3rd, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Today we're beginning this series and we are focusing on families and, and, and we're going to recognize the importance of, of raising kids in a manner that God approves of. God approved raising of families. And Jesus, I think, has the best instruction for us in all areas of life, even in parenting. And there's a statement that Jesus made. It comes with both a promise and a warning. It says this in Matthew chapter 7, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man, a wise person who built his house upon a rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And I want to stop there and say, yes, that does happen. You know that in your home and in your family, there's a lot of things that are against you, that are pushing on you, that are making you think that you won't stand. That happens, yet the house did not fall because why? It was built upon the foundation of the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them in practice is like the foolish person, the foolish, foolish man who, who built his house on the sand. And then when those same conditions hit it, it collapsed because it couldn't hold up. And I'm calling this sermon, this, this message, the long game. And today, I want to share with you four stages of parenting. And I want to tell you from the outset, if uh, these are not something I invented. I didn't just say, oh, I'm going to bring my brilliance into these four stages. No, you can pretty much go to any kind of blogger who talks about family development or you know, any church leader that's preached on this topic or, or blogs about it, and you'll find similar concepts. So nothing new. But, but here's what maybe you need to realize today. I don't know where you are today, but it might be new to you. Or you might have forgotten, because we do that, don't we? And here's, if there's nothing else you hear me to say today, please hear this. It's never too late to leave a positive family legacy. It's never too late. Because we are playing the long game. Now, a couple important things I want to say just at the beginning of this series. Most of us would agree that there's nothing in our humanness that's more important than the people in our lives. And if you're going to say that to be true, and most of us would, you'd have to say then that the most important of the important people in our lives are the ones that live in our home, our children, our grandchildren, our relatives. So we know that. And yet there's a lot of concern and there's a lot of regret and there's a lot of guilt. And so when we call this series Not So Perfect Family, it's for good reason because we have to acknowledge that there really isn't one. Now there's some ideals that we should strive for, but there's also some reals that we deal with. And so I understand that when a series like this opens up in a church like ours, and we've taught a lot on family and relationships, and you've been here, you've heard many sermons and series on this, and you go to small groups, and if you do that, then you get it there too. But, 
But, but there's some things here, and, and I think there's some of you who come in here and you say, well, I'm not married, I don't have kids, I'm never going to have children. That, that, that stage is gone in my life. So, so w- w- I'm just going to check out. I'm going to get out the phone and start doing, you know, uh, Facebook or X or whatever they call the newest thing or Twitter or whatever. But most of us who are in parenting, we wish we would have paid attention when some preacher talked about it when we didn't have kids because we might have learned some things that would have helped us when we actually did. So I just want to encourage you to hang in there with us. Now, there are some of you here today, you're going to check out for some other reasons. Like, for instance, you'd say, well, I'm not a parent anymore. My days are done in parenting. And so while it's true that you have probably walked through some of these stages that I'm going to share today, once you're a parent, you know, you, you think, you know, you, you just think, well, once I get past that, then I can go on to other things. I have discovered this, and I have five grandkids now. You never kind of go away from parenting. It, it changes. Like we sing this song here, and, there, and one of the lyrics is, if I'm not dead, then I'm not done. That's true with us who are grandparents, Okay. Like, I, I thought this about myself. I've said this many times in different ways. But at one time in my life, I was like a six-speed Corvette as a parent. Like, man, I had every energy, every, every speed to go with, and I could go at the same energy or more even sometimes as my kids. Now, now I'm more like a Toyota Cor- Corolla, you know? Like, I can still get from A to Z, but... But it's a little slower, and I got to be a little bit more careful in how I do that stuff. So, but I'm not, I'm not done. I have a responsibility. There's another demographic represented here today, and this is probably our largest group in our church, and that is those of you who are active parents. Like you're in the middle of it right now. You are in the heat of the moment. Like you're in that stage, and you've got kids, and you know how incredibly blessed and challenged you are. So I think that this series will maybe help you too. And then there's one more person I want to address, and this could also encapsulate, include many of us. And that is those of us who feel like complete losers because we don't think we either did a good job or if we did all we could do, we see things in our kids and we just feel like we've failed because now our adult kids are struggling and we want to fix it, but we can't fix it and it makes us feel like we are doing wrong. Our real doesn't match up with our ideal. And I I would venture to guess that every person in this room could somehow identify with that, at some point at least. So whether you're a person that doesn't have any children or never have, or you're a person who is in the full in the middle of life with kids, or now you're in a stage where you're a grandparent and you're trying to help your adult children be parents, but also are called into some parenting roles yourself with your grandkids. Wherever you find yourself, you're, I just want you to know, I think there's going to be something in this series that will help you to navigate in the great dream and challenge of being a parent. Because as Jesus tells us, he, we follow Jesus. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them to practice is a wise person. And it's a foundation. And I love this about Jesus. 
Jesus doesn't ignore reality. He doesn't ignore reality. We don't ignore reality. But, you know, if we ignore reality in our families, it gives the message of the impression that the message of Jesus doesn't matter, that all we are is a church of rituals. We're just like any other church in our community that at one time had strong, vibrant kids' ministries, for instance, but now they're empty shells that have beautiful stained glass windows. And people come in and out every week, and they do rituals, but there's nothing that gives life. Buildings where Jesus is removed from reality, where Jesus is an icon, not an instructor, or where Jesus is, is just simply a statue, but not a savior. So I think he understands what we're up against. I know he does. He understands the realities, and he inspires us to more. He offers a foundation that will give us more ideal life. Now, by the way, this should be easy for Christians. Of all the people in the world that understand what broken families look like, it really should be those of us who call ourselves Christian. And why is that? Because possibly with the exception of maybe Jesus' birth family, his mother and his father who was gifted to him, and maybe people like Naomi and Boaz and Ruth in the Old Testament, there are no good examples of family in the Bible, in the entire Bible. Like, they, they have their moments sometimes, but, but when our teaching team started talking about we're going to do a series on the family, one of the things we say is, okay, who are we going to bring out of the Bible to show how we should be family? We go, there's none. Every one of them have brokenness, and deep brokenness. I mean, what about the first family, Adam and Eve? They started out okay. We don't know how long it lasted, but it was a disaster. All sin entered the world through them and then they had kids. The first, the first two children they had, 50% turned out to be a murderer. That's not so great. I mean, think about it. A bad example. I mean, honestly, virtually every family that's written about in the Old Testament is a train wreck, even in comparison to our day and time. Like, you look at them and go, oh, I'm not doing so bad. The book's full of bad examples, but that's good because it shows us what not to do. Here's something we all know. Uh, we know that because we're here and we're listening, and, and this matters, okay? Jesus came to change the human race, and he paints a picture of idealism that actually has something for us to listen to. He shows us a way he shows us what ideal looks like in our lives, and then we strive toward better. That's what we do, because we're his followers. Now, he's perfect. We're not, except for the perfection he brings into our world. So, but we don't want to be frozen in some hopelessness because we say, oh, well, the world's going to, you know. That's not who we are. We strive for better. I want to challenge you to commit to a simple goal as we move forward in this series, okay? This, it's just simple. That we won't let the current real keep us from striving for something more ideal. 
There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with reaching out to be better as a human being, as a parent, as a person who has parents. It's a good thing for us to strive for better. Because remember what Jesus said, when the Lord builds the house, right? When the Lord builds the house, there's a foundation. So that's the introduction to the series. Now let's talk about, just in a few minutes, describe, let me describe what I think are the four stages of parenting. And you know, you can have variations of this. You might have 12 stages, I don't know. But these ones make the most sense to me because parenting is hard and parenting changes over time when we have kids. So let me just lay it out this way. Because parenting works like building a home, as Jesus said, like a foundation going from there. Parenting works like building a team, and this is like more on my mind this weekend because I, I'm a Husker fan, and so like there's a team that's being built. And, and so I know, I mean, I know, like the recent analogy isn't so good, like, like but, but this is what Coach Rule has been consistent about, I'm a Husker fan, Coach Rule's been consistent saying this all since he got here, that, you know, it has to start in the right places for it to get better. And so he's building a foundation. So he's, you know, he's building in stages, and, and he's been consistent in this. And so I know we're going to be 0-2 next week, but that's okay because he's building a foundation. I mean, I'm sorry. It'll look, you, you know, come on. All right, I'll be more optimistic. We're going to be one and one But anyway, parenting is like building a team. There's a proper order to success. And there's strategies. And then the details. And if you're an athlete or have been an athlete, you know that coaches who give you foundation are the ones who get you furthest in your athleticism. You know that. And so a wise man builds his house on the what? The rock. That's right. And so, and so let's talk about what that means. These are stages. And you're probably... If you're a parent or have been a parent, you, you'll, you'll recognize these. Stage one, loving discipline. Yes, the D word, discipline. In this stage, your little ones, you know, they're just little, one through five, let's say, they're learning how to interact with the world around them and avoid danger. So parents have to be very consistent in discipline. It's always done in love, of course. It's always done with the child's best interest in mind and never with anger. Even though anger can be a stimulator to you, you can't discipline in anger. You know this. These are things that you know. The purpose at this stage, listen, is to teach them to have consequences to bad behavior. Okay? You think, well, yeah, duh. Really? Have you been to the fair this week? Have you observed some things? Loving discipline. Parents who are in this stage, I've been there myself, I'm observing parents all around me, they feel like that's all they do. You can't do that, you can do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. Yeah, you can do that. You can't do that, you know what I'm saying? Don't, do you feel like that, young kids? Anybody? Discipline is always done in love, but it's also all you do. <laughs> from the time you wake up, well, from the time they wake you up until the time they go to bed and so can you, right? As a matter of fact, one blogger says this, my favorite part of parenting is after I drop my kids off at school. No, after they go to bed. Because it's exhausting. 
being a disciplinarian is exhausting. It's your job. It's your job. Rob Free says this, before having a kid, the most important thing to ask yourself is, am I ready to watch the exact same cartoon on repeat for the next four years? Bluey. That's what we're in now, right now. This is Bluey, right? Maybe part of discipline is just saying to your kid, your three-year-old, no more Bluey until you straighten up. So Hebrews chapter 12 says this, our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. That's your stage right now with young children. Just do the best you know how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable at the time, especially for the parent. But while it's happening, it's painful. But afterward, there will be a harvest, a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained with it. That's the wisdom of God. Take it or leave it. So we're going to do a deeper dive in week three on the topic of discipline. So it might help you a little bit further. Stage two, training. This would be ages roughly five through 12, elementary age children. In this stage, kids have, should have learned should have learned about right and wrong in the home. Now they're going to go into a laboratory called the classroom and on teams and on, in experiences where they can start honing those, those, those principles. A parent becomes more of a, of a trainer using the principles to lead their kids how to interact with the world. I've been to the fair this week. I had to say a numerous times to children in this age group, you can't cut in line. And they understand it, but they have to hear it because I'm training them. When I train them, I say, this is why you can't. And then they understand it. And then they try it again. But that's training. <laughs> training. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 22, 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The first and greatest commandment is wrapped up in that statement. Here's the second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're training them to live out that great principle in life. You know, you love God, and so you lead them here. You lead them into opportunities where they can grow in Christ understand who God is in their life, but you also are training them how to love other people. And when parents apply this, it, it's good for the future. And, you know, sometimes it means you got to let them fail a little bit, but you also teach them in it. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 says to us, fathers, do not exasperate your children. You can put the word parent, I think. Parent, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Third stage, coaching. This would be roughly the adolescent age. It's, it's when, you're, you know, your kids are going into middle school and they're going through the end of high school. They're forming their own identity. They, you know, they want to be adult, but they're not yet. Please understand that. Their peers and how they perceive them, it's crucial, as you know. They desire independence from you, and they're trying to figure that out. It's natural that they would push some envelopes on that and that you would hold on because you're the parent. The purpose at the coaching stage 
is to begin to release them to establish, not themselves, but the convictions that come from Christ in their lives. To establish them in their friendships, in their sports that they're involved with, in their activities that they like to do. You have only a few years to transfer those values to your children. It's your responsibility to do that, to coach them. I think at this stage, it's important as a parent who you choose to mentor them, who will you let coach their team? Who will you let take them under their wing when it comes to their interests and involvement in, 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 in school and in, in clubs and in events that they're good at? You are the one who helps them with that because you will likely see things in those people that they don't recognize. So you understand that. It's helpful for you to, to, to give them the right people to help you. I think that's why we're important to you, this church, because you can line them up in this church with great people who will lead them forward. Then there's a fourth stage, and this is the stage that I'm going to call friendship. And it's after high school. It's not after 30, as we're being told these days. It is after high school when your kids are likely moving out, at least moving beyond you in some ways. Active parenting is kind of over. They're out there. You hope that you've done your job. The purpose at the friendship stage is to release them to take ownership, to release them to mature, to release them to be responsible. You advise, you encourage, you resist the urge to bail them out at every failure because you know where you learn the most? Failure. You don't learn unless you have to pay the dumb tax. You just don't. If someone's going to pay the dumb tax for you, what do you keep doing? You're going to keep failing until they stop paying the dumb tax. Does that make sense to you? In my experience as a minister, I will tell you that one of the biggest blessings parents of adult kids lead their children to is the gift of letting go. Because then they take hold. And I know it's scary, and I know there's things that keep you up at night. As a matter of fact, as one mom and grandma put it, she said, it's like no one in my family appreciates that I stayed up all night overthinking for them. There's not a grandparent in this room who doesn't know what I'm talking about on that one. Joshua in the Old Testament serves as a great example of parents who love their adult kids. At the end of his life, he'd faithfully led the Israelites with their children and grandchildren listening in. He'd been leading them, and now it's time to go into the promised land. And in his speech before they crossed the river, he says this, Fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, the Egyptian gods? Because you know where they got you. Would you serve the gods of the Amorites whose land you now live? Because they're no good either. Me and my family, my household, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. It's never too late to make that declaration. Never too late. Make a commitment. We will serve the Lord. Begin today. I will serve the Lord, and I'm going to let come what may. That's the foundation. And even before you parent, 
You make that decision, it'll make a huge difference. Whatever stage you find yourself in, I will serve the Lord. That's the long game. That leads to a great end game. One of the things I've heard many coaches say, Matt Rule said the same thing, repeated, I've heard it. They don't remember what you did in the first quarter. The only thing they remember is the fourth quarter and how you finished the game. Well, the Huskers didn't finish very well on, on Thursday, but it doesn't deter me from being a Husker fan. Here's why. I think he's in the long game, and I'll follow a team that wants to play the long game. I will. Discipline, training, coaching, friendship. It works. And wherever you are, now's the time to start. Well, I imagine there's some parents here who might be thinking, well, that all sounds good. I wish I could do it over. Or even honestly, some of you might say, I wish I would, never would have done it. I wish we never would have had kids because they break your heart sometimes. Well, that kind of thinking, that's entangled in the defeat of the evil one and most of the voices in our culture who want to say to us we're failures and we can't do it. There's nothing on earth that God cherishes more than people who inhabit the earth. And we have a part in loving people as he loves them. So don't be hindered today and, and try to make a difference. Like maybe you can become a mentor for a young couple who you've noticed here at church and you think, man, they, they got their hands full. And I just want to encourage them. And whatever it takes to encourage them, maybe you're going to say, I'm going to pop a meal by sometime. Well, you should probably call first. But I'm going to, maybe you know, offer them something that maybe gives them a little break. That'd be all right. I think they'd like that if if you get to know them. God cherishes people who love people. Don't be hindered today from trying to make a difference. And you know what? As a church, we are all responsible for those little ones that come into our doors. We're all parents and grandparents in a sense. And we're going to do our very best to encourage Love Unlimited with those young hearts. So we're going to commune together today, and I want to read a scripture that I think will help us understand the price of love. Here's what it says in Hebrews 12. And this describes Jesus, but it also pulls us in. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he, scorned the, the, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of his Father God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and, and lose heart. Lord, as we commune together as the church today, we lift up a piece of bread that reminds us, of, reminds us of the enduring work of the cross and the resurrection that we are tied to because we have faith in you. And we take this cup. It reminds us of the blood that you shed 
to draw us into your beautiful family, the church. Together, we lift our hearts to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, so I want to just encourage you to be here this month. We're going to go a little further with these concepts that uh, we talked about today from, from the scripture, from the words of Jesus. And I love how that song really brings it into focus, that he is the rock of ages. Like he knows what he's doing, friend. We're not going to surprise him. He's not going to handle things in our lives that he's never seen before. And honestly, the stuff this world throws at us, yeah, he's got it. If we'll, if we'll tie in, if we'll, you know, if we'll hear his words, if we'll start putting them into practice, things change because we do those things. Because of him, he changes things. Well, uh, just a few things. Next week, we're going to talk about responsibility as parents. And, and listen, I, I, we're going to encourage you with a little thought on that. And I want you to know you're not a victim. Parent, you're not a victim. You're not a victim. You're responsible, but you're not a victim. So how can we be better at our responsibilities? How can we live in the light of God in those things? Then in September 17, I want to talk to you about discipline, and that's a shaping and pruning discussion, like how actually if you think about a plant, how you prune it correctly, that means things that are dead go away. It actually makes the, the plant stronger, more vibrant. Jesus told great stories about that. And so that means that with the appropriate pruning, things get better in our lives. Then on September 24th, the word is investing because as a mentor to children, everyone in this room who's an adult should understand themselves as being a mentor. You're making disciples. We're training up a child on the way they should go. We are the primary disciple makers of the next generation. So what you do matters. At the end of the day, you're not gonna control what your kids do, but you can control today the impact you will have on your children. So I would say one more thing as we finish up, and that is invite your friends to this series because because uh, we had a teacher, uh, educator appreciation week last week and heard some really cool stories that came out of that. But, but a teacher used the simple invite that, that she was given to invite some of her friends today, and they, I think they came. So, so our church is talking about families and parenting. That's the word you can give. We're talking about family and, and parenting. Why don't you join me? Because you'll be encouraged. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.